This morning, our scripture reading is from the book of Psalms. We are in a mini-sermon series called Amen. Please follow along in your Bibles, or you can use the screens. I'll be reading from Psalm 63, 1-8, from the New American Standard Version. A Psalm of David, when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Thus I have seen you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because your loving kindness is better than life, my, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. My soul is satisfied as with marrow and fatness, and my mouth offers praises with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. For you have been my help. And in the shadows of your wings, I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. My name is Peter. I am one of the pastors here. Glad to be here with you all. And, uh, you know, I would actually like to say a word of prayer as we uh, dive into the passage today. Would you pray with me? God, thank you for gathering uh, this body together this morning. Thank you that we can encourage each other and be in each other's presence as we look towards yours. God, we pray that we will learn today and we would experience uh, your love for us and your presence in our lives in a, a special way. We look to you now together and we open ourselves up to you in Jesus' name. Amen. We are, uh, as T.S. said, uh, part two of a mini-sermon series that we are calling Amen. And the word Amen simply means, so be it. And so be it is a great phrase. Uh, It's the end product of wrestling and struggling with your own nature and your own, own agendas and sense of timing and rightness and fit for something and you want something and you need something and you're frustrated and you're battling the elements and then at the end of that battle when you have no more strength left then and only then you're able to say amen meaning not I don't care anymore but I care more about what is right and what is what is good and I may or may not be in perfect alignment with that, and you acknowledge that deficiency in yourself, and you leave yourself open to a power greater than yourselves who may love you, who may have control over the world in a way that you don't, and you trust, you entrust yourself into this power, this God, and you say, amen, meaning, God, I care but I care more about you and I'm choosing to believe that you care. So you say, so be it. It assumes that you're you're wrestling. It assumes that you are somebody who cares. And so today, uh, I have a very, uh, I think, hopefully a simple message for us. And uh, the title of the sermon is Learn. And My hope is that today at the end of the message, just a small little tweak in all of us 
that causes us to be open just a little bit more to say yes to what this loving, gracious God has for us. And that's what we call learning. Dr. Robert Clinton, uh, one of my favorite leadership gurus, uh, wrote this landmark book based on a huge research project. And I've mentioned this a few times before. But he uh, made a list of five habits, what he called five habits of effectiveness. All of these leaders that he studied across history and uh, uh, denominations and different cultures, they, uh, he compiled this list and he realized all the leaders, every single leader who finished well had five things in common. And the top two things that he listed are listed for us here on the screen. Let me read them. Effective leaders maintain a learning posture throughout life. Informal, non-formal, and formal. Informal means you're just reading a book or sitting in on a sermon, that kind of thing. Non-formal is when you're going to a conference or taking a seminar or sitting in on a class but not getting credit for it. These are his categories. And formal, meaning you're getting a degree, you're getting credit for it. So the three ways uh, that we learn. But effective leaders, first and foremost, throughout their life, maintain this learning posture. It's an attitude of learning. It's a perpetual openness to growing and changing in the mind and in in the life. The second habit of effectiveness, effective leaders recognize leadership selection and mentoring as a priority. They are committed to mentoring and being mentored. They understand that they want to get to B from A, but nobody gets from A to B well by themselves. That there is an acknowledgement of dependency we have on those around us. How many of you know this, that we grow only at each other's expense? Okay, it's just a law of thermodynamics. Can you clean something without something else getting dirty? Think about that one. I, I, I uh, was making a list for this sermon of all the mentors that I connected with this summer. Over the last one and a half months, all the people that I talked with in person or on the phone. And I cannot imagine where I would be today looking at the fall if I wasn't talking to these people. A mentor I met with this week told me this. Uh, he said, you know, when I, when I think about my own aging process, I realize there's two ways to go. Either you are a learner or you become curmudgeon. <laughs> That's it. I, I was hoping there would be a third path. Life, some would say, is about being a learner. And as I was meditating on this passage, my wife will tell you, I shed a lot of tears this week. I don't know what happened, but there was just just a gushing in my heart. And I just, and I, I think maybe I cried once in front of my wife before. This week, I could not help it. And he said, Peter, look at you. 
It was quite embarrassing. But as I, you know why I cried this week? You know why I was so moved? Because I realized that there's this tension in me all the time. Because as I, as I get older, as I hopefully get wiser, what I realize is that there's so much out there. And I have so little time. I have so little energy. And I, I'm in touch with this tension that I live in. You know, and I want to learn. I want to grow. And I come in touch, contact with the vacuous nature of my existence. That I am empty. And I long to be filled with information, with knowledge, yes. But with also relationships and with experiences and moments. There's so much in me that I'm not in touch with. I have so much to learn about myself. Donkey was right. There are layers and layers to me. That's quoting Shrek. (laughs) Do you know that there is a, a moment that you're in right now and all of the you and the, all of the information and experiences and the self that you bring to that moment is insuffic- insufficient for you to adequately experience that moment. And so you have to open yourself up to this moment now and say, what I know is not enough. I don't have the answers. But I'm going to bring my questions and, and make myself vulnerable not be on the defensive, on guard, not be so threatened, but to say yes to this moment that God has for us, to new conversations and new people and cultures and styles. There's a hunger and there is a thirst and there's an asking in me. And as I, as I got in touch with that this week, I just was weeping. Just not sadness, not fear, just, oh my gosh, God is so big. This world is so large, and I'm so small, so small. And what I see, I see so, so dimly as in a mirror. And as I was wanting to say yes to God, God, I want to, yes, yes. God, the answer is yes and amen. As you open yourself to me, I open myself to you. I want to be a learner. I want to be your student. You be my rabbi. For the rest of my life, I want to learn. The closest metaphor to this I can think of for our context here is, one of you mentioned this to me uh, a few weeks ago, but every time the summer starts rolling around, they say they just feel so much pressure and anxiety because the weather is getting nice and there are so many beautiful places to visit during the summer before the gray starts. And the summer is just not long enough to check off every hike and every camping trip and every water. I mean, it's just so beautiful around here. And I felt that tension in me to want to dive and immerse myself Um, there are two warnings. Uh, Jesus said that if you learn and you learn and you learn, but you don't do, then it's what he calls foolishness. And he said it's like building your house on the sand. 
Solomon, he said, knowledge isn't magic. There's no silver bullet in it. It doesn't give you actually more control. It doesn't even give you more happiness. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says this. The race is not to the swift or the battle to the strong, nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned, but time and chance happen to them all. And so being a learner isn't about us not having to learn because we know everything and have control and dominion. But it's about connecting with God who is over all and through all and is all. And from him, to him, and through him are all things. And in him all things hold together. Let me read you one more verse. Proverbs 9, uh, 8 says this. Rebuke the wise and they will love you. Instruct the wise and they will be wiser still. Teach the righteous and they will add to their learning. Two points this morning. First, seek. And second, ask. And they're really the same things, but I felt I should have more than one point. And then we'll do an application and we'll be done. Okay, first, this image, seek. Uh, How many of you know what this little guy is? Yeah, you recognize that? Uh, NASA has a Mars Exploration Rover mission, and they have two primary vehicles for this. This one is Spirit, called Spirit. And I love this little guy. I've been reading about this guy for a little bit now because this guy is on a mission to learn. That's his whole existence. Like if he stops learning, he's out of commission. He will literally be out of commission. Learning is life to spirit. Verse 1 says this, O God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Oh, I got to read that again. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Uh, There's a a researcher uh, named Dr. Alice Stewart, she was recently featured in in a TED Talk. And uh, uh, she uh, studied childhood cancer from 1953 to 1956 um, in England. And what she came upon uh, by intuition, she one day was trying to figure out why these kids were getting cancer. It just didn't make sense. And, and it was a sudden rise, just a sudden jump in childhood cancer. And so she, uh, you know, against her colleague's advice, following her intuition, decided to ask the moms. So she, sent, she wrote up a survey and she sent it to the moms and just tell us just something, anything you might possibly know about your kids. And one of the suspicions she had was that during that time, uh, the new and popular technology that was coming into force into, the, into our culture were x-rays. And so one of the questions she asked was, did you ever get an x-ray while you were pregnant with a child that got cancer? And the answer by all of them was yes. So not every mom who got x-ray had cancer, but all the Kids who got cancer that she couldn't figure out that had made certain lists, they all had moms who got x-rays. And she brought this finding to the medical community, 
And she retired in 1974. But it took the medical community 25 years. That's 1975, a year after she retired, to finally accept her uh, research findings as sound. But she was already retired and unable to celebrate uh, her life work. Why do I share this with you? Because we have a resistance to learning. You think about this example. Think about how, our, how technology works, how politics work, how economy works, and what, it's actually, what it actually takes to make progress in the medical community, in the medical field. Just all of the system built around something new and different that threatens to uh, something that's already established and profitable. And you think about that. The momentum of this train is just going this way at top speed. And here's this little lady, Alice Stewart. Um, excuse me. 25 years. 25 years fetuses were exposed to x-ray radiation. Isn't that incredible? And here the psalmist says, oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. I want to suggest to you that underneath some of the layers of the, uh, the conflict of agenda that we have to learning lies within us a soul that wants to learn, who are seekers by nature. I recognize this week, I, I felt this week the fact that I am at my shining best a vessel And I'm meant to be filled by someone and something else. That at my best, I am just a conduit and not the source that truth and life are meant to flow, not from me, but through me. That I am a seeker. The Bible says I'm a sojourner, that is, a pilgrim. And I will never, ever arrive. But I'm caught up all the time in this arrival, survival thinking. And I so want to be home. Whether it's a piece of information or a conclusion I draw about something or someone. I just want to close the books on things. And the Bible says, no, 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 no. Seek earnestly. Blessed are those who hunger and Uh, The Pew Research Foundation came out with a huge study, and uh, it's over 35 pages long, this research project, just their findings. And uh, it's just a huge research project about the state of the church in America. And I'm going to summarize a huge aspect of it for you. You know what they say? They say that most people that they surveyed This is the box that they check. They do not perceive Christians as open. They do not perceive Christians as those who they would identify as learners or as seekers. But to the contrary, they experience and perceive the reputation that precedes the church is that we are closed off, disconnected, and therefore irrelevant. There was a time when it was actually those who believed in God, who were the students of life. You know, I'm sad about this. 
The pastor in a town used to be one of the most learned men in the town. That's why he was the pastor. And so he had the pulpit to be able to translate that, all that knowledge to the townspeople. And now, you know what they think about pastors? We are the least learned. We are opinionated without basis. That we are closed off, we're hypocritical, we're anti-intellectual. This is true. Society doesn't want to talk to pastors. The role of the pastor has narrowed so much. Oh, it's my wedding, it's my funeral, can you give a blessing? That's about it. Of all people who should be labeled as learners, it should be Christians. Here's what I came to this week. This is a a revelation to me this week. As I thought about how much I do not know, and as I thought about how little I knew then, but I thought I knew everything, I just looked back at that guy who thought he knew everything. And then I realized right now, There's little old me, and I know so little, but I don't know that I know so little. So there's this guy looking back at me from the future self going, Peter, open up. Open up. There's so much to learn. And so here's the realization I came to. The Christianity that I know so far is not enough to last me my lifetime. If I stopped learning today, tomorrow I will stop being a Christian. Because the world will change around me. And I will have the, I will have the inability to respond to that changing world. And worldviews and trends and cultures and philosophies are going to grow and evolve. And it's going to shape the future world, in a way, I will not be able to remain in. And I will become of that world and not just in that world. And there is so much of God to learn and grow in that I have yet to begin to even imagine. Whenever somebody says to you, oh, I can't imagine that. That's not a commentary about the possibility of that happening. That's a commentary about their imagination. The Bible says to us, we are to have reason for the hope that we have. Do you have hope? Are you a Christian? And you say you have hope? What's the reason for your hope? Give me a relevant, trustworthy, credible reason for your hope. And I realize I will not be able to do that tomorrow with what I know today. I went over to a friend's house. I remember uh, when I was a little, little kid. And uh, I had this little shoebox of Legos. I loved Legos. And I went over to this friend's house. And I remember it was a blue tub. It was a giant blue tub. And he said he had Legos. And he had put it away. And I said, I want to see your Legos. He brought out this giant blue tub 
and he opened it. And it was packed to the top with Legos. And I still remember this feeling this week. I stared at that tub. I couldn't imagine having so many Legos. What I could create, the hours I can spend, the sense of wonder and possibility that filled my mind with that tub before me. And that was my prayer to to God this week. I said, God, I want to see the world as that giant tub of Legos. I'm in my little shoebox right now. I've built everything I know how to build. I want the tub. You ever feel like that? I feel like that. You know, some of you know I like to read, and I'm an article junkie. And uh, every morning or after vacation or after church service, when I haven't checked my device for a while, I have this... uh, program that aggregates all my articles for me. It scours the web and gets me different articles and all different topics. And then these numbers are there to tell me how many articles there are. So after service day, one of the first things I will do when I get home and I have a moment is I will look at that list of articles and it will say 76. And I'll be like, oh, 76 articles. So exciting. Or when I set foot in a new city that I've been hoping to visit, I think about all the eats that are there and all the cool spots and different kinds of people and the culture to get to know. I'm so excited to be in a new city. Second, ask. This is, anybody know what this is? This image? This is the Voyager 2. They are two Voyagers. Uh, Voyager 2 was sent out first, actually, but Voyager 1 went faster and overtook Voyager uh, 2. But here's Voyager 2. It was launched on August 20th, 1977. So we celebrated its 37th birthday this week. And it's on mission to study our solar system. And now it's going beyond that. Now it's going to study interstellar space beyond our solar system. Isn't that exciting? Do a Google search for images, photographs taken by Voyager 2. It will blow your mind. You will swear those are paintings or computer renderings. It's so vivid. Verse 7 says this, For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I sing for joy. Now, there's this very key word in there, and the word is help. You have been my help. And this is a special Hebrew word for the word help, and it's used exclusively of God or within the context of a superior helping the inferior. So it's not me helping my kid. I mean, it's not my uh, my kid helping me fix something, but it's me helping my kid fix something. Okay, So it's used of God, and it's used of Eve uh, helping Adam, if that means anything to you. And the reality is this, that we are people who need help. We are meant to be helped. Sufficiency is not a goal for the human being. Our job 
just like it is with a kid, is to know how to ask for help. To be helped is to be human. Sufficiency is not a goal. Asking for help, therefore, is greater than not asking for help. Always, in any given situation, in any given moment, no matter what your responsibility or your task is, one of the first things you need to do is, what help do I need? Who can I ask for help? I need to ask for help. Make this step one in any situation. I need help. Ask for help. What is the help that you need? Let me ask you a question Peter Sung here, lead pastor of this church. Would you like me to be a leader that knows how to ask for help? Yeah? Does that help you to feel safer with me if I was somebody who was open? And how would you like to have a leader that never asks questions? How about a leader who only has answers? How about a leader who knows everything? Who has arrived? Do you feel safe? Can that leader solve problems? To put it like that makes it pretty obvious, doesn't it? It's what we have been calling at our church an open source leader. It's that where you are facing is better, greater than where you are standing. You realize you can be 10 feet from the finish line, but if you're facing the wrong way, you're never going to get there. So your attitude, your posture is so important to be open source, to not be the source, but to be a conduit and be open to the various experts and the crowd out there. Okay, we conclude here with an application, uh, three application points and the conclusion. Okay, first application point I want to give you. This week, I'd like you to practice this. Ask questions. You know, one thing I love about how people describe me uh, is... They'll say, Peter, he asks good questions. I've heard that now. So I just I share that with you. I love asking questions. I want to ask you to ask questions. Be somebody who asks questions. Even if you are a leader, a leader is a learner. A leader is a student. A leader is somebody who asks questions. Rather than having answers Try having questions. Okay, second application point is self-awareness. Let me ask you a question. Does self-awareness go a long ways? When somebody next to you is being annoying versus somebody who's next to you is being annoying, but they're aware of it, which do you prefer? Self-awareness is so helpful. You know why? Because the anxiety for yourself rests squarely on you. 
other people's, their job is not to manage you. Your job is to manage you. And when other people feel like you're not self-aware, so they have to manage you, then they're really frustrated with you. It's almost a deal breaker. But if you will be self-aware and manage yourself, then, ah, because self-awareness covers a multitude of sins. But here's why I bring this up here. Because as I thought about this this week, I realized part of my closed-offness is that I'm closed off to myself, who I really am, how much I really lack, how deficient I am as a person in character and competence at any given moment. I'm not all that I need to be. That conversation we just had, I'm not happy with how that went. That decision I made, I'm not thrilled with that decision I made or how I came to the decision. There are so many moments throughout the day where I lack And I want to be in touch with that. And when I'm avoiding that, then it shuts off the main valve. And now I don't know who I am anymore. And I can't learn. But I think learning really begins with self-awareness. Understanding yourself and your own needs. Okay? And then the third application point is this idea of a support system. And uh, I talk about this all the time and my mentors. So let me give you one phrase that I heard this week that it may help, help it stick with you, okay? Okay, it's a question. Will your tennis game improve better if A, you play with somebody worse than you all the time, or B, you play with somebody better than you? So this week, think about the people that you can ask to play tennis with who are actually better than you, who can show you a few things. That's what mentoring is. It's all it is. It's inviting people into your life who play better than you. Ask questions, grow in self-awareness, and build a support system. Okay? Let me conclude here, reading a couple of passages. God, after he spoke long ago to the fathers and the prophets in many portions and in many ways, in these last days has spoken to us in his Son, whom he appointed heir of all things, through whom also he made the world. And he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature and upholds all things by the word of his power. When he had made purification of sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And then one more passage related to that. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. And apart from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shined in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. 
This is my prayer for us, church, and this is something we're going to keep talking about again and again and again, that we together as a church culturally marked by the fact that we are a learning community. We have in our vision statement that we will be an open culture and an open source church. That means that non-Christians who come to our church will get a sense that we are a thinking community, that we are open to new information, and we are constantly working out our salvation with fear and trembling, that we recognize that the faith we have today is not sufficient to carry us tomorrow, that we need new faith and a new revelation of God. And we don't just tell people, but we show people that we have reason for the hope. We present evidence and rationale. And we're able to safely walk with people because we are safe and we, they feel safe with us. This is part of my great hope for us, that we would be marked that way. That all of you would want to bring non-Christians and co-workers without feeling embarrassed that we're this weird, closed-off, sub-Christian culture and inviting them into this little bubble that's closed off. But there is a flow to us. And we are connected to a living and dynamic God. And I present to you Jesus Christ, who is infinite, and in all, and through all, and is all. And this tension that we have between where Christ is and who he is and where we are, that's going to remain forever for all of eternity. I'm going to be singing glory and holy because the revelation of who Christ is goes on forever. And it's that tension that will pull me upward and forward. That's my great hope. Would you pray with me? God, I present to you our church, and I pray that we would be a learning community. I pray that we would hunger and thirst for righteousness, that we may have our hunger and thirst satisfied in you. And through this life, I pray that all of these great relationships and experiences and knowledge, all that's out there that you have for us, through which you want to reveal yourself, God, we would desire it with all of our hearts. So we look to you and we open ourselves up to you. Fill us, we pray. We are empty without you. In Jesus' name, amen.